Today's reading is from St Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, beginning to read at verse 22. Please follow in your own Bibles if possible. St Matthew 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please keep the passage open in front of you. Let's pray. Father, may you open our hearts and minds to hear your word today. Please help us to focus on what you have given us in your grace. Amen. What is the anchor in your storm, your storms in life? Is it your intellect? Is it your portfolio of assets? Is it your family or friends? Is it your church? All of these things are good things great things, and we should be thankful for them, particularly during the difficult seasons we go through in life. But are they your anchor? Can you have such confidence in the finite things of this world to rely on them as your anchor in life? We are continuing our mini-series, An Anchor in the Storm, and I have the privilege today of preaching from Matthew 14 where the disciples find themselves in a storm, a physical storm, yes, but also a spiritual one. They need an anchor to rely on, and we will see this anchor is not finite, like you or me, but infinite, divine. This anchor is the Lord Jesus. So where are we in Matthew? We are in the thick of the ministry of Jesus. By this time, Jesus has become well known uh, at this point, he begins a streak of miracles out of the compassion, out of his compassion for the people, healing the sick in the crowds and feeding 5,000 men and their immediate families. After the meal is finished, Jesus sends his disciples ahead of him on a boat to the other side of the lake. 
What's striking at this point is how much Jesus has revealed about his divine nature. And we will see how he does more of this through this storm in order to build the faith of the disciples. In this account, we see first, Jesus reveals his divine nature through his knowledge. Second, Jesus reveals his divine nature through his power. And finally, Jesus reveals his divine nature through his love. The first point, Jesus reveals his divine nature through his knowledge. Let's begin with verse 22 to 24. Immediately, we see Jesus put the disciples in a boat uh, and then separate himself from the crowds as he went up on a mountainside to pray, verse 22 and 23. After Jesus prays, we know he's alone now. But what is striking about this scene is how much detail Jesus knows about the disciples despite not being with them. It's nighttime. The disciples are a considerable distance from land, verse 24. Yet Jesus knows exactly where the disciples are, despite it being pitch dark. Jesus also knows the boat is being buffeted by the waves, despite being on the mountainside. He knows they're still rowing. John's account tells us the disciples only made it three to four miles by dawn. They've been rowing for hours for what should have only been a short journey. These disciples are rowing in a storm, a potentially deadly storm far from land, weary from rowing, limited visibility, if any. But what I want us to pay special attention to is Jesus knew he was sending his disciples into this storm. We get that from verse 22, don't we? Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him. There's intention here with Jesus. We will get to the reason for why I think Jesus did this later on. But what does this mean for us? Well, perhaps you are in a storm now, the storm of COVID, the storm of cancer, the storm of joblessness. Like the disciples, it can feel like we are alone, tired, weary. But let me encourage us with this. Jesus knows. He knows what you're going through. He is not absent, although it may seem that way. He knew the exact situation the disciples were in. He knows the exact situation you are in and I am in. So let us be like the disciples, obedient to Jesus, especially in the midst of a storm. So Jesus knows his disciples are in a storm. He knows they're going to struggle. He knows they're not going to make it very far. He knows they're tired. Jesus also knows he's going to meet them on the water, which brings us to the second point. Jesus reveals his divine nature through his power. Look at verse 25 with me. Jesus knows exactly where the disciples are. He's going to meet them. John's account tells us there was only one boat between Jesus and the disciples. The disciples took the boat. How was Jesus going to meet them, as verse 22 implies? Well, in Matthew 8, the disciples already saw Jesus command the winds and the waves and were stunned in amazement, asking, What kind of man is this? Verse 25, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. 
I think we tend to brush over these extraordinary accounts of Jesus, perhaps because it's so understated in the text. Perhaps uh, it's because we've read these accounts so many times we lose our wonder. I know I do. So let this marinate for a moment. Jesus knows exactly what he's doing. The fact that there was no boat for Jesus to get to his disciples does not prevent him from being with his disciples. The fact that there was a body of water separating him from his disciples does not prevent him from being with his disciples. Let me ask you a question. Do people walk on water? No, people don't walk on water. Jesus reveals his divine nature yet again. He commands not just the winds and the waves. He commands reality itself. His feet, step by step, walking on water like it was concrete. Boris Johnson doesn't have this power. Chris Whitty doesn't have this power. Jesus does. We are reminded last week that nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Why? Because all things were created through Jesus. He commands the winds and the waves. He commands reality itself. So we see Jesus reveal his divine nature through his power. Lastly, Jesus reveals his divine nature through his love. Let's look at verse 26 to 32. Well, we have a fascinating encounter. Back to the question I posed earlier. Why did Jesus send his disciples into the storm? What was the urgency? Why take it upon yourself to dismiss a crowd of well over 5,000 people? Was it that Jesus needed time by himself to pray? Perhaps it was. The text clearly says that's what he did. And what a great reminder it is that if Jesus needed time by himself with his Father in prayer, we also need time with our Father in prayer. But I don't think that was the reason he sent his disciples into the storm. Part of the reason is clearly because he wanted to reveal his divine nature to the disciples through this private miracle. But we know there is intention with Jesus's actions. And I think that intention is love. Jesus sent his disciples into the storm because he loved them. Follow the logic with me. Jesus sent his disciples into the storm because he loved them. How does Jesus love them? He loved them by helping them believe that he is the Son of God. How does he help them believe? He helped them believe by teaching them to rely on him through the storm. Why do I say this? Remember, the disciples are in the middle of the lake, likely exhausted from rowing in the storm. Some of them were experienced fishermen. They knew the waters well, but given these conditions, you can imagine they are at their wit's end at this point, desperate for help. But aren't these the conditions in which we typically find Jesus? They saw Jesus do so many miracles already, even command the winds and the waves in Matthew 8, 
Yet it hasn't really sunk in yet about who Jesus was to the disciples. So Jesus sets up these conditions to help the disciples take one more step in their faith. And we see how this unfolds with Peter. Let's zoom in on Peter. Verse 28, seemingly testing Jesus in a faithful way, responds to him by asking Jesus to tell Peter to come out to him on the water. And it's a remarkable ask, isn't it? He saw Jesus command the winds and the waves. He now sees Jesus walking on the waves. He commands reality. He can do the impossible. The reality of who Jesus is, what kind of man Jesus is, starts to sink in. So he asks for something bold. If Jesus can walk on the waters, he can also make Peter do likewise. Verse 29, Jesus honors Peter's faith by calling him on the water, and Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water towards Jesus. Verse 30, But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. The shift in reality becomes too heavy for Peter. He sees the wind, he was afraid, and began to sink. But we don't sink when we are above water, do we? We don't sink, we drop right in. What is going on here? Jesus is letting Peter sink. Jesus is letting Peter sink. Peter even has enough time to realize he is sinking and cry out, Lord, save me. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? It's not as if Jesus' word loses its power if we doubt. Jesus remains all-powerful. Jesus has authority over everything in this situation. He has authority over the winds. He has authority over the waves. He has authority over what happened to Peter. Jesus lets Peter sink because he knows Peter is fearful and Jesus is trying to help him by teaching him to rely on Jesus. He does this by putting Peter through this trial. Peter is fearful of the winds, which causes him to doubt Jesus' word. Jesus knows this, but he loves Peter. He wants his faith to persevere. So he lets Peter sink in the lake. And that shift helps Peter focus again on Jesus. So he cries out to him. I think we get further evidence that this was the case by Jesus' response to Peter. Notice it's not with a rebuke, but a helping hand and a thoughtful question that the Lord gives to Peter. Lastly, verse 32 and 33. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. The wind dies down. The waters surely become calmer as well. Jesus dispels the disciples' fears. He is in the boat now. Everything has come together. After all the miracles that they have seen, after the feeding of the 5,000, after the walking on the water, the disciples put it all together, and verse 33, 
Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. It's noteworthy that this was the first time the disciples called Jesus the Son of God. It's also the first time we were told the disciples worshipped Jesus. After all the miracles they have seen already, the truth of Jesus sinks deep enough to bring out the proclamation and worship. Truly, you are the Son of God. What is the application for us? Well, as we think about our trials, one of the things Jesus does as he takes us through them is to work on our faith. Jesus is taking you through your trials for the sake of your faith. In the book of James, it tells us that trials bring the testing of our faith, and the testing of our faith brings perseverance. Trials build our faith in Jesus. It's only through trials do the disciples truly come to see that Jesus is the Son of God. And the same applies for us now. Have there been times in your life where you have gone through trials and difficulties, and as a result, God has increased your faith? I can remember when we were waiting for David, our son. While we were waiting, our trust in Jesus, our ability to remain happy in him, these were tested. I love what it says in 1 Peter. It says, Trials come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. It's our faith that Jesus wants to refine so that we may be ready to praise him when he returns. For those of us who have committed our lives to Jesus, you might be in a trial right now. Jesus knows. We've seen he sent his disciples into a trial. Is Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever? He is, isn't he? He will lead us into trials as well. He will lead us into our storms in life. But be assured that in your storm, Jesus will be there. He will be your anchor in the storm. He may not come exactly at the time we expect. I can assure you the disciples didn't expect Jesus to come to them that night on the boat, but he did. And when he comes to us, when he comes to you by his spirit, remember Jesus is the son of God. Jesus is the son of God. Let this truth dispel any fear in your life as it did with the disciples. Let it sink deeper and deeper into your soul so that your faith may be refined and may it give rise to worship of our Lord and Savior when he comes again. For those of us who are still unsure about Jesus, can I encourage you to think about this? He has control over reality. People don't walk on water. People don't control the winds. 
Should we not ask the same question that the disciples asked earlier in Matthew when Jesus rebuked the winds and the waves? What kind of man is this? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today, the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. By your Spirit, may this truth sink deeper into our hearts so that we may cling to Jesus as our anchor in the storm. Father, I pray for those who are still unsure about Jesus. Open the eyes of their hearts to see this glorious truth. Truly, Jesus is the Son of God. Amen.